Welcome to the EDM Producer Podcast. This is the show where we interview successful electronic music producers from around the world. We ask them what they're doing in the studio, what kind of equipment they're using, how they make their music. We talk about their careers, talk some marketing advice. The whole goal is to help you guys out there make better tunes yourself, get your music out there, and get it heard. Now, we always have awesome producers on the show. This show is no different. Gecko is joining us, calling us from the Netherlands. He's getting a lot of attention. Sander Van Dorn is playing his stuff, so it's exciting. Anyway, uh, Gecko, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be on your show. It's good to have you here. Well, can you tell people more about yourself, just a little bit of background and what kind of music you're producing these days? Yeah, I, uh, I produce a lot of different styles. I uh, started out as a hard cell producer many years ago. But uh, over time, I got interested in so many other genres that I thought, yeah, let's just produce them too. Because I just love music in general. And well, that's what I do. Now, that's great. And a lot of producers I interview, they'll start off with one style and, you know, move into something else just because, well, number one, there's so many styles and you don't want to kind of pigeonhole yourself into one and you got to keep it interesting. Exactly. So what other genres have you gotten into? Um, well, um, it, uh, it, it's, it's started slowly moving away from the hard style. So also the harder stuff is what I started exploring, like the harder electro kind and, uh, bass music. But, uh, more recently I also got into, uh, techno production and, uh, like ambient music and stuff. So a, a bit softer. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, very cool songs on there. The, uh, craving is my favorite actually because it's got this hook towards the end that uh i just love yeah, yeah craving is really a one-of-kind track it really is a fusion between the hard style sound and the and the more electro kind of sound so really an in-between unique track yeah i really like that a lot you also have a very cool track that kind of took me in where it's basically just a, a woman speaking behind like over the music and it's called the cell yeah yeah it's it's kind of an uh interlude on the album uh and indeed it's uh the text is written and uh, narrated by uh, mandy asla who also made the artwork for my album so it's a really nice circle nice nice yeah. so she must like cats too <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> um by the way, if anybody does want to hear any of his tracks immediately just go to soundcloud.com slash gecko n l all right, cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about in the studio here because we like to get geeky on the show. Of course. I like to guess what DAW people are using, and I'm going to guess you're on Cubase. Wrong. I'm, uh, I'm using FL Studio. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, I'll stop guessing. I'm sure the fans are sick of hearing me be wrong, and <laughs> everybody's using FL these days. So, uh, yeah. what got you using FL? Um. Well, I've, I've been using it since I started uh, producing Seriously, which was back in 2007. I think uh, FL6 was the version then, now we're on 12. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's quite the ride. But uh, yeah, what got me into it was uh, the accessibility. Like I could quickly put down something that sounded like something. Um and I found the other programs a bit more difficult to to understand at the time because I was not so technical yet. Right. Um, over the years, 
my strategy was to just make tracks and improvise along the way and learn along the way the skills I needed to do so. So, uh, yeah, here I am still using it. It's just because the workflow is so amazing to me because I can directly translate what's in my mind to what I'm hearing in the track. So that helps a lot. But uh, I've also gained some experience with the other programs like Cubase and Studio One. And I also think they're really, really great. And I might see myself switching to Studio One maybe sometime. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the first person who say who says they're going to do that on my I cuz I'm using Studio One and I talk about it all the time on my show. Okay, and, uh, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm so happy you said that. I mean, nothing against FL. I think what you what you said, you really nailed it. Any DAW or any music software where you can easily get your ideas out into it is the one for you. You know, it's that's that's the whole name of the game. Yeah. Cool. Well, can you tell us about your workflow? Like how how do you actually write a song? Um, yeah, um, it, it, it's of course different every time, but I think, uh, how it goes most of the time is I start out with, uh, kick and bass. So I try to get an original and heavy sound on the kick and bass. And from there I gather some, uh, element I've probably made before like a melody I wanted to use later or a vocal I wanted to use later I put it in and from there my imagination just starts flowing and uh, takes me wherever it takes me and then you just start adding based off of that yeah yeah thanks. But, but but sometimes uh, it's also just that idea that I just work out straight without any kick and bass but most of my tracks are with kick and bass, so I see. <laughs> that's where it starts. That's cool. It makes sense, especially for that style of music. Yeah, and also that works best for the mix down, I think, because uh, the kick and bass are really the center in this kind of music, the center of the track. So everything else has to fit to that. I, uh, I noticed that when I have to... Uh, include the kick and bass in the track later that's already existing that it's really much more difficult to fit it in interesting i could totally see that you kind of have to carve out space for it after the song's already written yeah yeah exactly. i can see that interesting and in your style of music uh you know i, I noticed distortion is very heavily used uh even yep. on kick and bass so i'm curious to know like making this harder type of music what distortions are good out there and what do you use for your distortions? Mm, yeah, I, I actually use many different distortions every time. I know a lot of people just swear to one kind of distortion, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what you hear a lot in my tracks is the internal distortion of uh, Harmor, which is an FL plugin, right. uh, which I use in almost all my tracks for the, for the bass stuff. It's just uh, just a really strange but amazing plugin with a great distortion inside it. And uh, other times, uh, uh, I, I wait, I have my FL open here. Let's just check what I have. Okay. Uh, I, uh, Isotope uh, Trash 2. Okay. I, I use that one uh, sometimes when it doesn't have to be as accurate distortion. I use Run Cider. 
That's that's by U H E the company. Run cider. Run cider. Yeah. R U N cider. Yeah. Okay. U uh, he yeah that's a great company. Yeah. He's pretty amazing. And else. I don't really know. I, ju- I just switch around. Also, a lot of my tracks actually come to existence by me just trying out a new plugin. Yeah, that, well, that's fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's why I started the plugin podcast because uh, I, I love just trying new plugins. So, what I do is I interview a new plugin developer every week. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's so inspiring to try out a new plugin. It gives you many ideas of things you haven't tried before. Absolutely. And there's some gems out there that are just very um, not well known. And if you go to KVR and just start going down the list of plugin developers, you come across some gems. I mean, I've interviewed two developers that just blew me away and I I didn't even know about them before. So, um, yeah. And often they're even for free out there. Yeah. They're for free or they're very cheap. Yeah. Now back to Harmer. I mean, I haven't heard one bad thing about that synth. Apparently it just does it all. I mean, people use it as a sampler. It's an additive synthesizer, I believe. You're using it for your basses. It's got distortion <laughs> built into it. Um, yeah. I know Seamless does a lot. Do you know Seamless? Yeah, I do. He does a lot with that synth. That kind of put him on the map, actually figuring out that synth, I believe, and, and explaining to people how it works. Yeah, um, I think he, uh, he got me to use it as well. Really? Yeah. <laughs> My first, uh, the first uh, things I heard about it were from Seamless. Yeah. You see that? Well, if anybody goes to edmer.com, which is our main site, we just launched Sound Design with Seamless. It is a podcast where he basically, it's me and him, and he basically explains sound design from start to finish, and it's just going to be an ongoing show. So if you guys are into that, check it out. I mean, the first episode blew me away, and I was just the host, so um, that should be pretty fun. Yeah, that's very nice. I think he explains stuff really well. He's so good. He's so friggin' smart. And he's got everything plugged into his rig. So as he's explaining it, he's playing notes so you could hear it. Um, and it's not, it's not just like him miking a speaker. It's like he's got it all rigged up so you could actually feel what he's talking about. And uh, it's, it's a blast. Nice. Cool, man. Well, thanks for explaining some of your uh, distortions, your DAW, your workflow. Do you have any cool production tips, things you do in your tracks that, I don't know, maybe other people who are listening to the show might be able to get something out of? Mm, Well, there's a lot of uh, things, of course. And so what pops to mind? Um, Well, often for the punch of a kick, um, I just use a very loud uh, percussion sample, like a very loud clap. It makes uh, for a kind of uh, scattered punch. I don't know how to explain it. Weird. But for your kick, but, uh, yeah, yeah, like that gives a very um, distinct uh, character to the kick. Just for the punch. So, what do you just like uh, cut out the lows on it? Or do you, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, just one thing. <laughs> uh, anything else? Uh, well, what do you well, use for your actual kick then? You got the clap kind of on top of it. What do you use? Yeah, for the- yeah, that's just an, an extra thing for the character. What I use uh, for the basses is, yeah, always really a drum machine 
sample, like an 808 or a 909. Okay. And that's for, for the basic uh, body of it. And then uh, an extra layer uh, for the mid uh, frequencies. Uh, I put some distortion on it, filter out all the low frequencies, and it, it gives some yeah, character and, and, and punchiness to it. And then, uh, not always, but often uh, a percussion element on top. On top. For your, mid, for your middle <laughs> layer, what kind of sample do you use? Um, well, that, that really depends. It can be anything, but, but often also a pretty basic, basic sample, a, a bit dirty maybe to give uh, something for the distortion to, to crank out. I see. Is it actually a bass drum sample though, or it could be anything? Uh, usually a bass drum sample okay. yeah, or, or a low tom or something. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool, man. It's it's interesting seeing how people create their bass drums. I mean, some people just use one sample, a bass drum sample. People, some people like you use three layers <laughs> with distortion and all kinds of stuff on top. Yeah, um, and, and then we're not even talking about about the 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 tail yet. The like the bass tail, like the sub bass. I often uh, take uh, armor for that. And what do you use? Like a sine wave or? Mm. Most of the time, uh, a soul or a sign, just whatever works for the job at the moment. And you just make a tail out of that? Yeah. So you have four elements to your bass? Yeah. Wow, man. That's pretty cool. Anything else on your bass drum? <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe when it's needed, just whatever the tracks asks for. Gotcha. Cool. Um, just another tip came to my mind. Uh, what I use a lot on uh, low quality samples, which is often with uh, vocals or stuff you've pitched down. Yeah. I uh, then mask the quality by actually degrading it more, uh, <laughs> like like putting a bit crusher on it or reducing bit depth or just distorting it in the high frequency range so that you add harmonics to it. So you still get the clarity. So it doesn't sound lo-fi why it's actually more lo-fi that is so cool <laughs> you mask the lo-fi of ofness by making it yeah. more lo-fi which makes it hi-fi yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and do you is that for drums is basically what you're talking about or any sample um, um mostly for vocals oh for vocals yeah vocal samples gotcha uh, not really for original vocals, but really the sampled stuff, which is often in low quality. I see. And how do you use vocals in your tracks? Just chop them up and throw them in as noises? Or are you talking about like a full vocal like line? It uh, can be anything really, okay. but uh, uh, especially for the album work. And now I'm also working on my new album. I like to put some some narrative stuff in it, some, some quotes, uh, inspirational stuff, so to say. Um, so yeah, from various sources, some I get from YouTube, from interviews and stuff. So there's always some high frequencies lacking on them. So I like to put a, a crackle on it with uh, the effects I just des described. Yeah. That's very cool. Or clear somehow. I hear you. I'm, and if studio one just got a bit crusher in the latest version and I've been just putting that on everything, what do you use for your bit crusher? Um, mostly 
Decimator. Decimator. Is that from D16? Uh, let me check. Uh, it says Toby Bear Productions. To- oh, Toby Bear. <laughs> Toby Bear. We got to get him on the plug-in podcast. German, uh, German stuff. Look at I that see. thing. It's pretty simple. Yeah, it's very simple, but it just does exactly uh, exactly what you want. It's free? Uh, I don't remember. I have it for a long time already. We got to get Toby Bear on the show. Well, is there any other plugin that you wanted to mention or, or a production tip before we move on? Mm, maybe uh, uh, Thrill Me. Do you know Thrill Me? No. It's it's a it's a it's a like a, a compressor, but but really um, uh, it adds a lot of character to what you're doing. It has all these things going on, and, and it has just three knobs, which don't say what they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of it now. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's actually pretty old, and some friend uh, sent it to me, and he, and, uh, he used to use it on his uh, master bus. What? But that's, yeah, that's a bit too extreme. <laughs> yeah, a little <laughs> bit. I, I, I really like to use it to uh, pump up uh, some samples, like for a really punchy, noisy snare or uh, old school uh, orchestra hits or something. You can really get them smashing with this one. Wow. It's got a little tube in it, too. Yeah. Does it light up, the tube? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love how they don't label anything. That's pretty unique. Yeah. It looks like yeah. a rack mount piece of gear, too. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I got to check that out. Any other gems of plugins that you want to drop um, on us? Yeah, one you're probably familiar with. Uh, the Classic Chorus from the Classic range of plugins by Carehus uh, Audio. Yeah, that's second person that brought that up in, in the last couple shows. So what do you use this for and what do you like about the Classic Chorus? Uh, I use it um, mostly for uh, vocals. Also, hmm. it uh, it's great for uh, putting in a, a nice uh, spread, but also for making uh, things sound really, really wide. Huh. Um, yeah, it, it especially for vocals, as the the really widener also affects uh, the pitch. <laughs> so for melodic elements, it's not really uh, useful. <laughs> When uh, when using that uh, functionality, but uh, for vocals, that's just great. No kidding! I gotta check that out. It's purple. Oh yeah, beautiful. <laughs> awesome, man. Let's talk about your studio a little bit. What kind okay. of studio setup do you have, as far as like monitors and audio interface and any MIDI gear? Uh, well, I'm working on uh, DIN audio monitors, the BM6A MK2 range okay and uh with uh also a din audio subwoofer the 9s i believe but that's maybe a bit overkill for my studio it's (laughs) It's a really big subwoofer (laughs) i wish i had a subwoofer though yeah i I really cannot work without a subwoofer really did you find it hard to dial in like the the right um crossovers and everything between your speakers and the subwoofer and where to place it in the room or was it pretty simple yeah, yeah, it's actually uh, pretty hard. Okay. I haven't found the 
the totally right balance yet. But I also uh, still have my uh, Logitech uh, 2.1 set standing here. <laughs> my old school speakers that I, yeah, I just know for all my life, basically. And I just exactly know what sound comes from them. Right. So I, I combine them, which has also a very compact subwoofer. So when I place my foot on it, I just know exactly when the kick is right. Uh, and I uh, combine that with uh, the DIN audios for reference. So I see. I uh, kind of switch back and forth. Yeah. And and also very essential uh, is uh, my headphones because they gave a total different view on the stereo field. Let me guess. Sennheiser HD 650s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the see? HD 25. I still can yeah. guess stuff. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, the 25s? Yeah, HD 25. Oh, HD 25. Okay, that was wrong on that too. But I think you meant those. I know. I've, are they, the, they're not open back. They're, are they a little smaller, aren't they? Or are they full? Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the on-ear ones. On-ear, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. I love them because they have such a direct sound. Ah, I gotta listen to them. Those are ones I've not tried yet. So how do you um, work between your headphones and your speakers? Just you just try to uh, listen on all of them and see what just sounds right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I also use them in, in different stages. I usually start off by using just my uh, 2.1 Logitech uh, speakers. Really? Because, yeah, because I just want to put up a track quickly. Um, and uh, and then I, uh, I check it with my monitor speakers. Uh, and correct uh, stuff where needed. And then uh, when uh, doing uh, final checks and also some for arrangement stuff at night. And, uh, and so I use the headphones, but I cannot do a sound design on the headphones. It just uh, gives me a totally wrong image of the stereo field. Well, what do you do your sound design on? Which speakers? Uh, yeah, mostly on the Logitech. That's ones. amazing. You say you have Dynaudio sixes and a sub. It's probably yeah. about like twelve hundred bucks, and you do most of your stuff on the Logitechs. Yeah, it costs me a bit more than that. How, how much <laughs> but, are they? But, but yeah, hmm? how much was it for the speakers and the sub? Two grand. Uh, yeah, I think a bit more than two grand in total. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. like twenty Logitechs. <laughs> yeah, but they they were totally worth it. I, I really need them for my reference. I see. I see. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's really the power of all those combined that does it for me. I know what you mean. I, I go to Clear Track Studio here in Clearwater, Florida. It's a you know, it's a million dollar studio. He spares no expense on all the gear he's got. He's got these huge Dyn Audio monitors with like two twelve woofers in this the actual speaker. And they're just <laughs> I think they're like fifteen grand per monitor. Right. Yeah. So he's doing all the mixing. He's got a, an SSL console and, and then he's got these $50 RCA, like radio shack speakers sitting on top of the console. And I'm like, what are those Mike? He's like, I can't live without those things. He's like, I do tons yeah. of mixing on them. <laughs> exactly. That's it's the same for me with the Logitech ones because I've had them all my life. So I know exactly what sounds come from, comes right. from them. Right, right. That's amazing. And they, I know those Logitechs, they get, they always got great reviews. Ever since they came out, people have loved them. So, yeah. Very cool. What do you use for MIDI controllers? Uh, I have a Nectar one here. Nice. Uh, The Impact 
LX49. It's the white it's, one, uh, right? Uh, what do you say? It's white. That's that white one, right? No, it's it's not white. It's oh. actually dark grayish. Okay. With a red stripe, <laughs> but it's it's very um, rectangular, <laughs> so to say. Um, I, I really dislike a lot of the MIDI keyboards. They're toys. Uh, yeah, they're yeah exactly. They look like toys. They feel like toys. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one is looks really neat. It, it's it's not as good as I would want it to be, but it's like the best I could get. <laughs> I hear you. I'll tell you what. When the Native Instruments came out with their line of uh, keyboards, um, and I actually felt the key bed on them, they're fantastic. They feel like an instrument. They're beautiful. That the, the action on those, I think, is better than most synthesizers. The um, complete control one. Yes. Yep. Have you used them? Uh, well, yeah, I've uh, used them in other uh, producer studios. Yeah, I like them. I'm and Ar- I use an Artoria one, which is pretty good because it has it actually has metal in the keys, so you get some kind of action. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Well, I gotta try. I've, I've seen the Nectars though, and they interface well with a lot of dolls, like right out of the box. All right. Um, how about mastering? Do you do your own mastering, or do you have it sent out? Uh, depends. Um, on the label where I release it, really. I see. Um, a lot of my mastering, uh, mastering I do myself. Uh, also because uh, I just I just need to be able to master my own stuff because I do a lot of uh, edits and special stuff for my DJ sets. So I always need to get it uh, to get it right. Um, and sense. also my, my album, uh, I, re- I mastered myself, but recently I did some releases on other labels who had a very good, uh, master guy in house. So I just let him do it and I was really satisfied with the result. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Was a, was a bit, uh, a bit warmer character than my own master. Really? Well, for yours, wh- when you do your own mastering, what do you do and what do you use for it? Yeah, I'm using a pretty uh, unorthodox method. Maybe uh, people, uh, a lot of people wouldn't like it, but I uh, start off with a mastering plugin on my master bus straight from the start. Um, so, do you know uh, Maximus, the Image Line uh, plugin? Yes, I have not used it, but I know of it. Yeah, that's that's what I use. Uh, also, because I'm very much used to it, been using it for years now, and yeah. I also really like the the analyzer in it, so you can really look and see what's happening. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. so I, I really know when I see stuff, if it's good or not. Right, right. So I, I start with it uh, right from the start, and I just make things sound right from the start. So when the track is finished, I only have to do some minor final adjustments to the overall EQ balance and stuff. That's the way I think it should be. Like if, if somebody wants to do their own mastering, just kind of do it in the mix. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. Mastering is just a little bit of mixing on top. Actually, I can't say that. I can't say that. And I'm probably <laughs> about to get schooled on mastering because, and I'm sorry, I keep talking about new shows on my network, but we're doing the mastering show. I'm actually recording the first episode today with Ian Shepard. He's my co-host for that. So that's going on the EDMer network, and he's going to basically school me on mastering for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. So that should be fun. I'm I'm looking to learn a lot, and I'll probably eat every word I have said in the last five shows about mastering. 
with just that show. But yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. And I'm, I'm with you as far as that. But we'll see what Ian says. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's not really a, a right way of doing it as long as it sounds nice in the end. But it's, yeah, more profound maybe if you split it up and let a real master engineer uh, do it. But yeah, for me, it's just, it works when I do it myself. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I want it, I want that to be the case. I wish it was like that because I, I, it's just me and a personal, I just personal gripe and personal opinion about my, I made the music the way I wanted it to sound. That's why I mixed it the way I mixed it. So why do I have to send it to somebody else? Like that is the question that keeps popping in my mind. Yeah. But I'll have to get over that someday. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Well, let's talk about, you know, you, you talked about getting signed to a label. So let's get into that. Um, your latest track, I don't know if it's your latest track, but one of your, your more new tracks, uh, which one is it? I like it a lot. Um, where is it? The one Sander Van Doren has been playing. International. Oh, uh, hit, hit me uh, with those laser beams. Oh yeah, hit with the laser beams. That's very yeah. cool. That's very cool. Um, and you also have International Outer National, which is actually one I like the best. Um, <laughs> tell us about, you know, these tracks and how, you know, you are getting people supporting them. Um, yeah, actually, uh, the hit me with those laser beams one, uh, which is played by Sander Van Dorn is a, an older one. Uh-huh. I, uh, maybe two years old already now. Um, I made that, um, uh, totally inspired by the parties I was playing at, uh, at the moment. Uh, it really filled a gap for me, like a track, uh, with feeling, but also, uh, a hard drop that's not like the regular EDM drops. Right. Yeah. A, a bit more original. And, pro- um, and which probably fits the laser show, obviously behind you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very good show track also. Indeed. Um, like for example, when I listened to that track, I saw laser beams. Yeah. So yeah. I totally get it. That's good. And, uh, with the international outer national, um, it's released on, on Foolish, which, which is a freestyle label. They just do all kinds of stuff as long as, long as, it's, as it's Foolish. <laughs> so huh. it, it's, it's a really, uh, really funny track. Um, yeah, taking a bit of the old school rave elements with uh, the 90s rave piano and some break beats. And then I combined it with, uh, with the hardstyle sound. Yeah. But, but and then later on in the track, I, I I wondered what I wanted to do with the arrangement, and then I I thought, yeah, why not just put up the tempo, and then it became some kind of uh, happy hardcore uh, <laughs> stuff, and then later in the track, I thought, hey, I like this tempo, uh, why not do a drum and bass part in between? So that's what I did. So the track just goes all over the place. That's so awesome. Everybody definitely has to check out that track. It's just fun. It is. Now, how did Sander Van Dorn, how did he get, how did your track get noticed by him? Um, well, uh, he recently got a new manager and I uh, know her and, she, but I didn't know she showed that track to him, but she did because she just likes it very much. And uh, so I'm very thankful uh, to her for doing that. And, uh, he liked it, obviously. That's great. It's nice to have connections. It is. 
it is you really notice when you're doing this stuff for years that you just know people and uh that's very helpful is that is that how it happened you just kind of through the years of doing this you start to to know people or did you make a concerted effort to go out and do networking or what advice can you give to people to to get to this point well yeah my advice is if you want short-term results you have to be active and if you just want to uh, let it grow organically you uh, have to be patient Hmm. that's awesome that's what i think that's great advice now when you say active though what do you mean uh, well, like you say, like really step up to people, uh, introduce yourself to everybody, stay in contact all the time. Yeah, all the all the networking stuff. And uh, I myself prefer to let that grow organically, as I said, like you just meet people and you just have a good time or a good talk and not force it. But forcing it can really work. It's not something bad. So. If you want results, you can just force it a bit. Yes. Give it a bit uh, of a go. Yeah. The slow growth is the comfortable route. Probably. Yeah. For me, I mean, it, it com- like you just go at your own pace. And when things happen, they kind of happen. Just yeah, getting exactly. out of your head a little bit and confronting, actually going and talking to people sometimes take yeah. you, takes you out of your comfort zone. But the pay- like yeah. you said, the payoff is huge. Yeah. It also helps me to stay focused on my music. Instead of all the stuff around it. Yeah, good point. Good point. I mean, unfortunately, most musicians have to be a one-man show as far as a business these days. They, you know, I mean, when they're starting out, they have to know how to market. They have to know how to manage. They have to know how to do all these things before they become big enough, I guess, where they could hire somebody. So it's tough to just stay focused on the music. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And yeah, I kind of have to do all those things indeed. Um in when you're just starting out, it's nice to have some uh, people who can guide you with that, give you the right tips and get you started on things and uh, take away a few concerns from you. Sure. Like, uh, like signing with the label can be a, a great thing because they do a lot of the promotion stuff and introduce you to people, all that kind of things. How would you suggest that? people who are listening to the show approach and get signed with labels. Mm, yeah, that's, that's really difficult. Um, the best, it works best if you just know the people already yeah. where you want, where you want to release. So it's, it's really hard when somebody does not know you yet right. to get their attention. Uh, I, I get a lot of uh, demos myself and what I prefer is, uh, a short meal, like, shortly introducing yourself and what you're standing for and then uh, presenting one uh, two tracks maximum with a soundcloud link so i can listen directly it doesn't uh, take me any effort like downloading and mm-hmm. unzipping and all that kind of stuff i just check it on soundcloud and i immediately know what i think of it and uh, I think if you present yourself that way to a label, it uh, gives you the best chance. Great info, man. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. What has been in your career the most amazing moment you've had so far? Kind of like a time period or a time 
or moment where you're just like, wow, this is amazingly awesome. I can't believe this is happening to me. What was that like? And what was it? Um, I think uh, I, I've had some of those moments, but the, the one that I'm thinking of most was uh, last year uh, in the summer at uh, DEFCON 1 festival here in the Netherlands. Okay. I played a, I played a set um, uh, at a stage with, which was not so big. Uh, it, it was really intimate, mm-hmm. but, but uh, everybody there they were all fans, but also international fans, because for this uh, festival, a lot of the, the international people who can't come to the Netherlands for just small parties, but for a big festival like this, they can invest in traveling all the way over. So they were all there and they just knew all my music <laughs> from their head, you know, and the amazing there, I've, I've never experienced something like that. And yeah, it, it just exploded and we could go really deep and it was very spontaneous. How did it feel? Yeah, yeah even when thinking of it now, I'm, I'm just <laughs> getting this smile on my face again. <laughs> really, really beautiful moment. Yeah, that is yeah, the, yeah the performances are, are really important for me. Also very, uh, um, yeah, it gives me a lot of inspiration. I can imagine. That sounds pretty amazing. What yeah. a, what about a challenge you've had to face in your career? Has there anything that's come across your lines that, you know, people who are listening, they might also encounter something that's kind of trying to stop them or prevent them from succeeding? And what did you do to keep going? And what advice can you give the listeners? Uh, yeah, one thing uh, for me is that I'm uh, not really the the mainstream kind of producer. So I always make something different. Which makes which makes it a lot harder to get out there uh-huh. and uh, and uh, uh, live from it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've had some points where it was just uh, where I had to uh, stop with a certain booking agency, for example. Uh, and I thought. Mm, What's, what's my future going to be? Right. And then, and then like, mm, I'm producing all these kinds of different music. Should, should I just focus on one style of music? It's marketing wise, much smarter and, uh, just maximize my, uh, potential in that, uh, box, so to say. Yeah. But, uh, then I just thought, yeah, what, what am I, what do I stand for? And, I cannot be caught just within a box. I just, I am all over the place. That's what I do. And when I realized that I found strength in that and, and so I chose for my own path and I'm now doing my own uh, party concept and my own radio show and gathering my own following with people who like this, this stuff that I do. So from there, I build it up again after a kind of a a small dip. Wow. Well done, so, man. Uh, that sounds very fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And I get a lot of uh, pleasure from this uh, path. So my advice in this, uh, ask yourself, uh, what do you stand for? What, what do you truly want to do? And not what can I be the most successful in per se, but just put out what you love and probably someone else will pick it up and it will grow from there. Wow. 
Amazing, man. You're giving us great stuff so far in this interview, Thank just you. so you know. Now, what have you found is the best way to get your music out there and get it heard, like get people listening to your stuff? Uh, getting uh, influential DJs to support it, like in their radio shows, podcasts, and playing it out at parties. Uh, that's very uh, that's worth a lot, I think. How do you get because the influential DJs to support it? Was, uh, same method as uh, getting your stuff released, really. Just sending your stuff, introducing yourself. Uh, those people have to do a lot of radio shows, so they're, so they're always looking for new material. Right. So I think they're pretty open to stuff. So if you also make it easy for them, always make it easy for people to check your stuff. So like a SoundCloud uh, link with a download. Uh, that helps a lot. And of course, if you know these people, uh, it's also good to meet them in person for for your networking. Um, if, if you meet someone in person, uh, that person has a face to your name and then you are somebody and not just some text in, your, in, in the email inbox. And I think that's worth a lot. That's great. Yeah. If they could connect what they received in their inbox with a person, I guess it goes a lot farther. Yeah. Awesome. If you could give one final piece of advice to an aspiring producer out there, what would you tell them? Um, well, one thing that uh, always surprises me is that there are a lot of producers that totally focus on, on the technical part and then they put tracks out that sound amazing in sound but are so boring. Right. <laughs> right. so my advice to, to people would be if you, if you want to make uh, tracks don't focus on, on the technical part at first just make tracks and along the way learn the technique and all the stuff you need to know to get it done what you want to get done and I think that's the way to get uh, interesting tracks out there awesome and original stuff yeah I love it Great advice, man. All show. You, you totally rocked it. Thank you very much for uh, bringing what you brought to the show. It's my pleasure. And tell people where they could find out more about you and hear your stuff. And uh, you do have a crowdfunding thing that you're doing now, too. So you could hit, that, hit us up with that if you want. Yeah, exactly. You can uh, find all uh, info about me and all my recent stuff, like the crowdfunding thing, on my uh, Facebook page. So that's facebook.com slash geckonl or just search for gecko on Facebook. And the same actually goes for uh, SoundCloud and uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's all the same uh, URLs. And uh, yeah, on, on my SoundCloud, there's also a lot of uh, free stuff to download because a lot of the stuff I make is not stuff I think I can release on label. So I just put it out for free. So there's a lot of... Uh, stuff to grab on there definitely that's yeah. that's generous that you do that and uh, i think people love that when uh you know artists release these free tracks that are fun and i don't know man a lot of times the artists in my opinion underestimate how good these tracks are <laughs> they think they can't release them but they're killer tracks so uh yeah, yeah but, but then but then goes uh for, for these kind of tracks i don't have the the network yeah, to put it out, you know. Yeah. So so that makes it a lot a uh, lot more difficult. I see. I guess. And it, and some of the tracks have a bit of uh, 
copyrighted material in them. So uh. like a vocal, a vocal that I could not uh, release officially. I hear you. That makes sense. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this show as much as I did. Gecko, thanks so much for doing this. And everybody who's listening, definitely go and check out what we have going on at edmer.com. Like I said, we're launching um, the Sound Design Podcast. It should be out by the time you hear this. Um, the, the Mastering po- Podcast or Mastering Show, it's going to be out very soon. Don't know exact date on that. The Plugin Podcast is going to be released this week, and we give away a free plugin every show. So if you want to just you know, engulf yourself with, uh, EDM and music information. That's what I'm trying to, uh, provide. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. And if you want to get on the hot list, that's our email list. That'll keep you abreast of everything that we're doing. Gecko. Thanks again very much. Everybody hope you enjoyed it. That's going to be it for the EDM producer podcast for today. See you next time.